I've got a couple of comments on music in the brain. Okay, let's do that first. Alright, on this music in the brain thing, the only comment that I wanted to make is that there's a there's a lady, uh, mm -hmm. Lisa Feldman Barrett. Okay. So she's written a, uh, a, several books, um, but um, she is kind of turning the idea of the amygdala being the center of the center of emotional reactions on okay. its head. So people might want to read that book. So, okay, so I'll. So the the, the point of it is is that actually they're now finding that the amygdala typically in in classical psychology you know it, this is the area of involved the brain. with emotional re reactions yeah, so and I mean, in this case to music. if people overreact if they get super angry if they uh, are super depressed or anything like that it's all there mm -hmm. and uh, it's always a fight between the logical brain and the and the emotional brain right yeah. mm -hmm. and actually she said she's finding that there's a lot more balance to the brain that all those all those pieces of the brain are integrated. It's not one that sort of overpowers the other. Mm. And um, also that there's a lot more choice involved than people realize as to how they behave and how they react. Okay. So the the amygdala would still be involved with emotional reactions, but you're saying it doesn't... It's not the center of it. It's not all that it is, and then it just is a chain reaction to no. some other part of the brain. It's not the it's not the type of thing where the amygdala can just, like, take control. However, there is the subconscious that can do that, right? Hmm. The subconscious can take, a, you know, a subconscious... Um, I'm holding a pencil, and I'm subconsciously doing something until I take over, right? And right. say, hey, stop doing that. Put your pencil down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? That's... The way it is. So, when you're listening to music, there's a couple of ways you can do it, according to her model. Is that autonomic? Is that what it's autonom autonomic response? Could be. You're not thinking about it. It's just it's we like when breathe. you drive a car and well, you try to describe to somebody who has never driven a car how you drive a car. Well, I mean, just think about breathing. Like when sure <laughs> in my choir classes, I always tell the kids, think about your breathing or make sure you're breathing, and they're like. And they're like, breathing. Ah, if I wasn't, I'd be dead. Exactly. Like, Not exactly what I meant. But there's a, well, it <laughs> comes back to mindfulness, right? What do people these days, that's a kind of a buzzword, mindfulness. But sure. it's really a thing where you're, you're, so when you're listening to music, are you listening mindfully or is it just something that's there? Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, or. That's, that's amazing you said that because in the diploma, the International Baccalaureate has three Again, watch your language. I mean, Sorry. I didn't mean to say. I meant to say I The B word. The <laughs> A baccalaureate. Yeah. <laughs> they have the diploma program, which is for, in our school, grade 11 and 12 students, okay? And Ellie's just getting, she's in 10th grade, so she's getting she's getting introduction to all this stuff. And she was talking about theory of knowledge, which is one of the classes that we teach here at the theory school. Theory of knowledge? Yeah. It's what one is of the, that? It's one of the required courses, and basically it's how do you think, it's meta metacognition, basically. Right. But it's also, so thinking. Knowing of, what you know. Knowing what you know. Knowing thinking what you about don't how know. you think and learning about how to learn. Those kinds of meta right. things, right? Yeah. But it's more sort than. Sort of a bird's eye view of what's going on. In your own in head. The, in the cave. But also learning how to analyze and how to question things. And my argument to our uh, TOK teacher at the school, um, Ted, who's also one of the guitar players in my band, by the nice. way. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of cool. Shout out to Ted. Ted, yeah, there you go, Ted. But um, uh, my comment to him was that I think nowadays, more than ever, 
maybe this is just me being an old guy talking, but um, more than ever, it seems like the ability to uh, to analyze is more important than ever mm-hmm. because we have so much information coming to us yeah. more than ever in the past, which um, we we have to figure out how to analyze. What are the sources and what? how do you know what's true and what's not true and what are the biases and all those Critical types? analysis and right. also filtering. So, so that's not new. I just think that it's a really it's important... It's more important than it used to be. Correct. I think it's a really important part of what we do. So theory of knowledge and what you're talking about... Um, that sort of an- analyzing the way that the that you think, you know, and the way that you listen, right? Yes, yeah. you, you know, to to something. Well, that's like when people ask me, "What's your favorite song?" I'm like, I don't even know what my favorite genre is. Like, yeah, you know, who's your favorite guitar player? Like, I don't know. Like, I I know what I think today or at this moment, yeah. but on my way home to for dinner. I might think something different, you know. But oh, okay. it's just like a like a groundbreaker that could come up at any time and go, just reset everything. Yes, yeah, yeah. you know. Well, Jacob Collier, Jacob Collier is one of those guys who I just like. Oh, that was a reset. Blew the doors off. The way he, have you seen his his videos where he's playing every instrument uh, during yeah, COVID? Yeah. yeah, yes. How you doing? My name is Jacob Collier. No, it no, it isn't. That's my Excuse name. Excuse me. Uh, so, I, my name is Jacob. What are you talking about? It's my name. Uh, okay, Collier. I think everybody here knows that I'm yeah, the guy hey, whose name all is right. Jacob Collier. We're all Jacob Collier. I think the point has been made. Uh, we'd like to move on and play a tune called uh, Time Alone with You. But uh, I'm thinking about the way he does concerts. It's more like... It's very interactive, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost like kind of a really cool TED talk, um, you know? And I I don't know how to describe exactly... And his audience... Whether they're musicians or not, are musicians. What's up, Toronto? How you guys feeling? That's what I love about it. So I used to I used to run Monday morning assemblies again when we were in Kazakhstan. It's very so, alliterative of you. Thank you. Yes, I didn't think of that, but uh, <laughs> Monday morning. Holy alliteration, Batman! Yeah. <laughs> Monday morning meeting. Yeah. Well, we used to do that, and um, I used to do things like that. So I'd have the I'd have them do my Bonnie lies over the ocean, and I would teach sections of the audience different parts and I'd, I'd wave my arms and yeah. they'd do or like um, 
Uh, what's the one? Fish and chips and vinegar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one bottle of pop, two bottle of pop, three bottle of pop, four bottle of pop, and then you have the fish and chips and vinegar, and you do it as a round. But then I would like conduct the audience. Yeah. You know? And I saw him doing that. I was like, oh, it's mind blowing how he like how well he does it. Yeah. Massive audience. And how did he become super famous doing that? Because he just it was something different, something new. People were were part of it. YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. He got famous on YouTube. It, well, and I would say social media in general. In general, in general because yeah. like there's the Instagram stuff. Like I remember seeing him on like Instagram. You know, just doing a little yeah. cool little post of yeah. him doing something, maybe a four part harmony that he would sing, not realizing that was not even scratching the surface, right? Yeah. And then I took a, a com, um, conducting course, maybe two years ago or something like that, and the the one of the professors teaching the course asked us what do you think is the next big thing uh-huh. and he himself said i'm going to start it off jacob jacob collier go and we're like ah, <laughs> it's a pretty good one <laughs> where to go after that you know so um how did we get here uh just thinking about how the brain works in regards to music and this comes to my next point which is that what people are looking for and i think the reason that remixing is the way that because we talked as we talked about is everything a remix but what we haven't explored is how does that contribute to the evolution of music mm. and think about a revolution a revolution is more bombastic it's more it's the like, point is to do away with the old to right. bring in the new whereas right. this doesn't have to be that no and i think that the reason for that is that because people want something familiar Mm. They want it to. They don't. They don't mind if it says something new to them, but it still has to have something. And you know, you you find that with with the tribalism and all of that, right? Like, I like this genre of music because that's what I grew up with, mm-hmm. or I like this genre of music because when I was doing X Y Z pleasurable thing, this this yeah. relates to that. So okay, so the the um, image that we have here, the hippocampus. Um, involved in music memories, experiences, and context, mm-hmm. right? So that part of your brain, according to this, mm-hmm. I, I heard you said that maybe I it's don't, more I don't know that this contradicts in any major way what she was saying. It's just I just not wanted as clear to point cut. that out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But so I put here, because of this because of this image of the brain and the, and the explanations here, I thought, why do people do covers then? Why do we like it? Uh, I remember Prince did a like um, an after- concert show in like a club you know um not that i saw that i heard a recording like a bootleg recording and he did this one thing a loop is 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 a loop you know and it was just a little thing that he did but i remember it stuck in my head from the first time i heard it (laughs) and it was just like one aspect of what he was doing in this like really funky version of his band right and i was like 12 you know and i remember thinking yeah so it's there's joy in repetition Right. Yeah. Well, you look at uh, my kid's seven. Yours is ten or eleven. And twelve. Twelve. Uh, yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And they will. He will repeat things again and again because he just likes them right. so, so much. So there's joy in repetition. Why do we do covers? Now, I'm not talking about why record companies want bands to do covers. No, no. Just like you go to a bar, you see a band doing a cover. Right. A cover That's person. exactly. So like, you play covers in your band. Yeah. I I play covers in my band. Yeah. Like, why do we do that? 
Not well, and even even your mashup of Palkabell and, and Memories is is a is a cover. Right, it's two covers. Exactly, it's two covers. And why? Because we love having that familiarity. I remember a point in my life when I was probably in my thirties, and I found myself wanting to listen to um, "How Deep Is Your Love" by the Bee Gees. Great song. Okay, but when I was younger, and we all hated disco, and you know, yeah. I, I was part of that thing, right? And yes, I'm old enough to have had an opinion on disco. Yeah, me too. I mean, it was the dregs of the universe played disco. All that, that and, was, and, 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 and I don't think that way anymore. But I saw exactly, and I saw an interview on City TV. I remember um, before much music came out, which was Canada's version of MTV. Or yeah. And the interview said the interviewer said like you know all this we hate disco stuff so that was basically you guys right and Rob I think it was Robin Gibb stands up he says I'm not going to do it one of these again he rips off his mic and he's like first time I ever saw anybody storm out of an interview yeah and the guy goes and apologizes he was like that's not what I meant it was like you cut ca- you caught all the flack for that right you know my point is. I remember thinking that as a kid when my sisters were listening to the Bee Gees and I was saying, they just like them because it's like Barry's handsome. That's, you right. Know. And, but then, Is that how you talked to them when you were that age? A lot. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Very good. That's good, good stuff. stuff. No, I remember listening to the Bee Gees at that time and I just... I d- I didn't like it. I, I wanted to hear rock stuff. and I, yeah, was, I didn't like it either. I mean, and, and, and it's the age that you're at it's the it's the guys that the people that you hang out with. Sure. What are they listening to? And it's wh- how you're feeling at that point. Like it, yeah. when I listened to 1984 Van Halen at that time, when I heard um, "Hot for Teacher," yeah, that drum part. Yeah, there were that. things that were going on that that were blowing us away. Yeah. And when you listen to, uh, at that age, you listen to the Bee Gees, it was more or less a, a... It was chill and it was romantic and I was 12 and I didn't want any of that. You know, like... It's a 10cc, speaking of like, um, um, you know, <gasps> remixing. Yeah, the, the, but I mean, Not How Deep Is Your Love oh. follows that, that oh. type of mix is okay. what I'm saying. It but starts I, with a vocal swell. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I remember li- in about my mid thirties or something like that. I I had I felt like listening to that song, and I thought, why? This, all those you know, because memory wise, it should have been a bad memory. 
Well, but it wasn't because it brought me back to that time when all my 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 three sisters and I all lived in the same house with my yeah. mom and all the memories of that. Let me tell you something about that. That's very interesting because back in the day, Olivia Newton John, please, and uh, except for that last scene in Greece when <laughs> yeah. she becomes the bad girl. Yeah, yeah. Story changed. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Hokey Dinah. <laughs> Hokey. Pie. Okay, uh, holy Spicoli is holy what I like to say. There you go. Um, you know, and and even no the carpenters. Shirt, no shoes, no dice. <laughs> yeah, that's a great movie. <laughs> great soundtrack. Yes. You ever listen to the soundtrack? Van Halen's on it. Of course, oh, I listen to it. Man, Psh. one of my favorite on that is um, Jackson Brown, "Somebody's Girl." It's got to be somebody. It's baby. amazing because I. He's one of those guys for me, like Elvis Costello. I think they're really interesting guys. Yeah. But they only have in my listening experience only a couple songs that i rediscover them yes and i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna challenge you this is i'm gonna i'm gonna go full on on felonious monk however (laughs) low hanging fruit that is so easy like i'm gonna play two songs by him and you're gonna go oh yeah i get it and then i'm gonna play other people's versions of his songs yeah and you're gonna go okay stop already uncle (laughs) you know Thelodious Monk is like, come on, make it easier for me. Come on. Right. Like that's... Not, I'm just saying, Jackson Brown has has some great songs. But it's it's a different genre, right? It's it's like... It's kind of country. It's southern southern rock. And I, li- I like that. I mean, and, and it's interesting because uh, Glenn Frey and uh, Jackson Brown were roommates, flatmates, before they became famous. And they, they wrote, wrote... Take It Easy. They wrote Take It Easy, right? Yeah. And I think things like I that... I think Jackson like, Brown wrote Take It Easy. Was Glenn Fry on that? Song? I thought they co- co-wrote Maybe. it, but I could be wrong. I don't yeah. know. I mean, Edgy Makedas. Sorry, Edgy Makedas. If you could do that, that would be great. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. Where did we get? Wait, how did we get here? Um, Squirrel. I remember mentioning Rocky, guitar picks, the brain, <laughs> Jackson Brown. Okay, now you can see, right? It's seven degrees of Jackson Brown. Seven degrees of Jackson Brown. Mm-hmm. All roads lead back to City TV. <laughs> okay, um, I was going to say, um, I don't have anything else to say. I was going to so, say that I have things to say. I have a couple things. All right. We've actually covered almost everything. I just got to tell you this story. So first of all, I'll say Weird Al. Oh, I know what I have to say. Okay, so covers, right? Like Weird Al. I think, I wonder now, did Prince like Weird Al? Because when Prince heard Maroon 5's version of Kiss, Prince's song Kiss, uh, he wasn't too kind about his reaction to it. He mm-hmm. was like, "It sounds like my version of it. If you're gonna redo it exactly redo the it. same, yeah." No, he said, "If you're gonna redo it exactly the same, then just play the recording. What you haven't done anything, right?" So Prince comes out with a cover of uh, Joni Mitchell's uh, "A Case of You." Oh, oh my goodness! Love that song by her. I gotta tell you, I mean, I'm a huge Prince fan, but when he did the version, I was like. I played it for my sister, uh, Margo, and she was like, 
it really sounds like he understood the the essence of that song. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about it. Yeah, he did it. Of course, he's Prince, so he did it it's masterfully anyway. But he did it his way. Yeah, and he just he made it his own, right? Which yeah. Johnny Mitchell. I mean, what a songwriter, yeah. you know? Okay, so this story I got to tell you. Um. So I heard that MIA, I'm looking at uh, using chord sequences and melody lines. If you're following along at home, yeah, item number three. Just in case you're not looking at that. You can't see that. Oh, no Jewish. No Jewish accents. (laughs) Okay, so MIA, we mentioned in in an earlier episode that Paper Planes was a huge hit. um, Yes. Right? Yes. All I want to do is... And I'll, I, you know, I'll play a sample of it. I'll, yeah. I'll play like a little now? clip. What now? Right. Uh, hold on. I'll play a little clip of it. Right now. <laughs> so I thought she was really she had a really cool individual sound. Yeah. I mean the the style that she that she raps, the 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 sample that they used, um all that stuff, right? So I heard that she had brought out a new album this year because I had read somewhere that she quit the music business because she just thought it was she didn't like it. She yeah. didn't like the business of music, yeah. right? She liked music. That's why I quit. That's why, yeah, that's why uh, <laughs> most people, yeah. I just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. You know, the grind. The grind. The, the, yeah. the, 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 you know. <laughs> I don't hear a hit. <laughs> I don't hear a hit, yeah. So um, so I heard that she had brought out a new album, and I was really interested to hear what she would do with that because I thought she was sort of off the track of what everybody else was doing, right? Yeah. So I went in on to Google, and I Googled it. Um, turns out the album is called Mata. Um, which in Spanish means kill or to kill, Ooh. but I don't know if that's why she used that. I haven't researched the album. I just wanted to see kind of dark. Yeah, you know, from it's like MIA who just wants to and kick your money. You would expect something. So <laughs> anyway, so I was curious about it. I googled this album and I found all songs considered NPR. Great. Yeah. So. I didn't know that about that, right? So I heard, I found that there was this podcast where they mentioned her October fourteenth episode. By the way, just in case you're all songs considered, October fourteenth mm-hmm. episode uh, of this year, Tuvalu. So, so that's the thing. So I, I look up, and they're they're talking about MIA, and they're saying what I thought when I heard the song "The One" is her first single off the album. Yeah. Hey, the gate, I'm in the tape 
and it sounds like MIA. It doesn't sound like she's trying to do a collab with the Blackpink, or she's trying to do some sort of thing that's new to match what's on the radio now. She's just doing her thing. Right. Love it. Because yeah. I think she's I think she's one of those people that probably can't help but do her own thing. Yeah, be who she is. Doesn't matter what else is on the radio or whatever. So then I thought, well, I like this show. I like the way they're talking about it. I, I like, you know, they weren't being silly about it. They were being pretty analytical but not boring. Mm-hmm. Not like us, you know. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I drifted off there for just a, just a second. Need some coffee? So then they go, and now this new song by uh, Tuvalu, right? Mm-hmm. Which I don't know how many people have heard of Tuvalu. I had no idea what that was. They actually said Tovlo. Tuvalu, Valu, Valu. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so you've heard of uh, something that sounded a little bit like it. Check. There you go, check. <laughs> anyway, so they, they start talking about Tuvalu. Tuva, Tuvalu. And I'm like, well, I'm curious. You know, I don't. I've never heard of this person, but they're big enough that a podcast is featuring her new song. Mm-hmm. Tuvalu has an album called Dirt Femme, um, and I predict. I'm going to make a prediction right here. Should we bring it in? Let's just bring it. Let's bring it. Prediction: Tuvalu Dirt Femme is going to be a huge hit this year. I don't know which song off the album, or if it's just going to be the whole album. I think Tuvalu is a name that we're going to hear a lot more of in the coming. Months. You hear it here first. Did I say you heard it here first? <laughs> Maybe we should do it. Pan out. <laughs> 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 Alright. So I start listening to this song and I'm like, oh, I do know this song. Oh, wait. No, I don't know this. I'm confused. Mm-hmm. And I realize it's a, it's a melody that I've heard before. So here's that melody. Look alive and come with me. You're to die for everything. Drag your light at midnight to dance and headlights and make a nun in the rain. Look alive and come with me. You're to die for everything. When I think about you, the work all is blue. Let's do it over again. Look alive and come with me. You're to die for everything. Drag your light at midnight to dance and headlights and make a nun in the rain. Look okay. Uh huh. Now, you would recognize that melody without. Uh, Probably, you know a lot of like pop through the years kind yeah, of stuff, you know. Sure. But but for me, it was something that I recognized the melody, but I couldn't think of what it was. So right. I, I googled Tuvalu's uh, new song. Um, the song is called "To Die For," mm-hmm. and she used the two mm-hmm. die and the number Very four, Prince-like. Prince-like, which instantly I'm thinking, okay, I like her a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. So then I find out that it's a song called Popcorn. Mm. 1972 release. Hot Butter. By the band Hot Butter. <laughs> I don't think it's the FM guys got a kick out of it. Oh my God. This is the new hit. Popcorn from Hot Butter. Hot Butter's Popcorn. <laughs> And so I thought, okay, <laughs> that's crazy. Like, why do I even know that song? It's, and then it turns out Popcorn was a cover of a Gershon Kingsley actually did a moot version of it from 1969. Cool. 
I believe, now I might be mixing two facts here, but there was an album called Moog, M-O-O-G, Moog Indigo. Mm-hmm. Not Mood Indigo. Moog Indigo, yeah. Which is then a remix of that, of that, Mood Indigo was a, was a song from the 40s, right? Yeah. From the big band Glenn era. Miller, I think. Was uh, it Glenn Miller? You might be right on that. If you were, I'll keep it in. I could be right. <laughs> I may be right and I may be wrong. I might be crazy. I'll eat a bug if I am. But it just may be a lunatic you're looking for. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Okay, so we almost made it through an episode without a Jeremy from the future moment. Almost. It turns out Moog Indigo was actually recorded by Jean-Jacques Perry. Jean-Jacques Perry was also the person who recorded In Sounds from Way Out. It was Perry Kingsley that recorded that. And that album inspired an album that came out many years later by the Beastie Boys that used the same name, In Sounds from Way Out. So even though the Beastie Boys album was their original music, it was heavily inspired by the Perry Kingsley In Sounds from Way Out, another remix of an idea. So, okay, so To Die For is... Um, uses, I don't know if it's a sample or um, an interpolation of Hot Butter's Popcorn, 1972, which is a cover of Gershon Kingsley's 1969 song, okay? Mm-hmm. And every time it comes out, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger because mm-hmm. people recognize it and recognize it and recognize it so that even people who, like me, had never heard of Tuvalu, Tuvalu is listening to this and going, oh, that's, that's kind of cool, I like that. Yeah. Louise Tucker, we talked about in the last episode, she sold 7 million copies of a song that was a version of uh, Beethoven's Sonata Number 8, Opus 13, Pathétique, Second Second Movement. movement. Not the first. Let's be clear. Don't. Not the third. Yeah, you wouldn't. There isn't even a fourth. So. You don't. (laughs) So, So record companies love remixes and covers and stuff because they sell well. I mean, Blackpink has sold over... Uh, they've done. Uh, they've had uh, over 158 million streams God. and over 17,000 downloads sold. It was released in September 16th of this year. It's yeah. only November now, yeah. and this is old information. Yeah. So 158 million streams, right? Yeah. Why do record companies love it? Why do you know the people making the money? Because they make tons of it. Correct. No way in Betty, it's scary. I'm like, what now? Black pink in your area. The area been shut down. It's a shutdown. The cover itself, I think, I hope, Black Pink just maybe they listened to classical music growing up and they just thought, yeah, I want to include that. I think it's possible uh, uh, that, that, that the producer or the agent or whoever is producing the band, you know came up with something along those lines yeah they, something along it was like lines. when i was studying recording back in the 90s and i remember one of the teachers that i worked with that sorry that was teaching me said if somebody can come up with a way to put rap and new country together <laughs> huge we're gonna take the horse to the old town road talk about seeing the future so mia not finished with mia because what was the sample that she used in the song so you just heard MIA's paper paper planes, right? I did. Yes, I did. Yes, you did. Just recently. Look <laughs> 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 yeah. more convincing. I did. There you go. <laughs> so it's uh, it's the clash.
So, um, the Clash, the song is called Straight to Hell. Mm-hmm. I didn't Again, know. Again, with the language. H-E double hockey sticks is yes, what I should have said. that's right. <laughs> so says Colonel Potter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> On MASH. Yes. <laughs> so, that song, and they didn't even mess with it. Now, this is the funniest part. So, all of this stuff is, for me, like, all these connections that I'm seeing, which is everything as a remix mm-hmm. in, a, in concept, right? Who was it that suggested that portion of that song, straight straight to H-E double hockey sticks mm-hmm. by The Clash, who suggested that was the producer of the album, Paper... That, that oh, okay, so yeah. And who was it? I don't know. Diplo. Oh. Our friend from episode three, I believe. Everything's just connecting It's like all... Craziness. That's what I'm saying. Like, where do we go from this? I think this is actually wrapping up an arc. <laughs> I wrote a song called Coming Full Circle a long time ago. This is what we've done. No. I got one last thing to say. Are you done there? Yeah, I, that is everything on my talk. This is the first time we've ever talked through Completed all of my notes. talking points. Well, I'm not done. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Deflated. Disappointed. Chord sequences and melody lines. I've got to say something here, okay? Let me just say when it. I think Let of me it, say that. When I think of it, I will say it. Okay, i got to say something too. And I will. What I'm going to say is... <laughs> You can't. Should I put an ellipsis there? Dot, dot, dot. You know, I. You, you just cannot sue somebody for using a chord change. Amen. You cannot sue somebody for using a motif. I'm with your brother. You cannot sue somebody for sounding like Beethoven. Can I get a thank you? All right. <laughs> Not only do. Melody lines, a little bit different. Totally. Okay? What are the three things, if a songwriter write, like a songwriter writes a song and gets it published, right? What three things do you get paid for? The lyrics, the lyrics, the melody, mm-hmm. and oh, the title, the title, right? So those three things, right? And the title—that's pretty iffy because, like, kids say to me, "I want to do, I want to do the song Believer." I'm like, which one? Yeah, yeah. There take are your, a thousand songs. And you know what's really funny? There's a cascade back in the '80s. Oh, cascade! That brought me back to the to the Muse and Queen connection. Go ahead. Power of Love. Yes. Had like three different versions. I was not aware of that, Mr. Cooper. <laughs> My kid asked me, what, who's Mr. Cooper today? Have you seen Wayne's World? Uh, have I seen Wayne's World? All right. Yeah. So Alice Cooper is there giving him a history lesson on the... On the uh, <laughs> the Native rock, Americans of... Uh, rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> and Wayne is sitting there with his long hair and his hat. I was not aware of that, Mr. Cooper. And Dana Carvey is going... Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's classic. They do the same thing in that that newer movie. What's it? It's called like heavy metal, or there's a movie about these two um, like uh, outcast kids who one of them is a really good guitarist who just wants to be. Oh heavy metal. yeah, they do the same kind of. Yeah, I'll, thing? I'll put the I'll put the image up. I'll put it in the in the notes. But uh, speaking of Wayne's World, Bohemian Rhapsody scene is to die for. Oh, oh, yeah. I think we'll go with a little Bohemian Rhapsody, gentlemen. Good call. I see a little silhouette of a man Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the fandango? Thunderbolt and lightning, very, very fine Mamma mia, mamma mia, mamma mia, let me go Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me 
think for me again if we're talking about like why did i know um the barber of seville was bugs bunny yeah why did i know bohemian rhapsody, bohemian to a rhapsody. Generation? i don't think i knew i don't think i knew that song at that point actually no way really no i probably would have you known. had to have yeah it, it was 90s known. it was 92 yeah. 93 i would have known the song but when i had that like every time that song came on from that point forward even to now when you guys play it i go there's i still do that speaking of which there's an Italian guy, I think he's Italian, that does the vocals all separated out if anybody ever wants to learn the harmony. You said that. that that's how you guys learned it. Just you just fantastic. gave that to video yeah, the link. Go. Pick your part. Do this. Um, we so we mentioned Muse. Cascade. Correct. So Queen and Muse, the reason I mentioned that, um, I didn't play, but I will play um, the United States of Eurasia, which was my the first song I ever heard by Muse. In my music classes, I let the students suggest songs that we can do based on, you know, appropriate lyrics, based on, um, you know, if you say, I want to do Beethoven's Ninth, the whole thing. I'm like, whoa, 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 scope. You know, settle down. Thing. Settle down there. But um, I let First them choose First of all, it's songs. like an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. it, it would take us a while. Yeah. And some of my students are beginners on their instruments <laughs> and their instrument is ukulele and there's <laughs> a huge choral section in that yeah so well. my point is I, I let the students choose or at least suggest the songs and then they once i shortlist the songs based on you know whether or not we can do it for for a ver variety of reasons um they vote and they choose the songs okay a couple of years ago my class suggested and voted for and we did united states of eurasia oh nice um yeah, and that's the first time I've ever heard of Muse. So this is a few years back, right? But I heard it, and I was like, Eurasia, Eurasia, you know, and I was like, that's Queen. That's, that's like, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. It's the, not them ripping it off at all. It's that type of vocal. Completely. The yeah. way, it's not even just the vocal. It's also how they produced it. Yeah. And then I heard the guitar. It's and they, Brian May. They do the Brian May. The, the, sound, the sound of his guitar, and then they do that cas cascading notes thing that he does dang 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 yes and they all just sort of flow over each other so yeah. that it creates a chord you know what i mean yeah so he plays individual notes but he allows them to um to, to ring continue yeah. to ring out over each other so that they create a chord right yeah it's a cascading effect is yeah. it And 
I thought, oh my, like, this is a new band at the time that my students loved, and it was Queen. Yeah. Taken to the nth level in terms of what you said about being, like, classical influence and all that kind of stuff, yeah. right? And there was a kid who could play the Chopin, um, it's a nocturne at the end. Yes. In the flat, I think, yes. So all of this stuff for me is making a lot more sense when we look at it this way, where I'm thinking, yeah, it's all, it's not a remix, in my opinion, I think. Mm-hmm. But like you said, we're not going to answer the question, so is it? Well, I think it's an evolution. I think uh, it's, yeah, it's... I agree. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, sonata form, mm-hmm. right? So you introduce a theme, right? Then you do development of the theme, yeah. which is variations, right? Mm-hmm. And then you do a recapitulation. Again. Uh, I know. With, with the, the language. With the language. Who's going to say that in a podcast? <sighs> so you do the recapitulation, which is basically restating the theme, the original theme, with variations on it. Yeah. Right? Which is what we do in essays. And yeah. That's the whole thing, right? It's like you introduce an idea, but then you have to, like, flush it out. What is, what is like, you know, unpack it. Question for another podcast. Is there a connection between the modern pop song format, you know, where you got, you know, verse, bridge, chorus, mm-hmm. and variations of that, of that format, and the sonata and or the symphony format? Is there, a, is there a connection? Is there a, is there an evolution there? Or a devolution? <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that's the interesting thing, because I keep on saying it's an evolution, and it did occur to me at one point, is it a devolution? Like, there's somebody on YouTube that did a video of a comparison of the notes in a piece by Mozart, and then Baby, Baby, Baby by Justin Bieber. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, when okay. you see them, it's just comical, whether you can read notes so or not. So my comment on that would be, there's music as an art form, and there's music as entertainment and pleasure. Mm-hmm. And pop music serves that purpose it can be an art form and it can have intricacies and and um complexities built in to a certain extent Mm -hmm. but in general if you want to make a song popular it has to be fairly simple and fairly you know understandable well you see as opposed to something like classical jazz um, I, I don't know because we talked about this. Rock. We started to talk about this a little bit when we were talking about the new, the newer, the current producers of music, right? Mm-hmm. Like Diplo, Skrillex, and I know I'm naming people that people who are like in producing right now are going, dude, that's like so three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but my point being, I would love to know if what you just said is true. Like pop music has always been the potato chips of the food food world. Is pop music in music? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't. And have but to it be. goes back to so back. Uh, but just think about it in 
Beethoven's time, in Bach's time, there was folk music. There was stuff that for the masses. Well, Mozart himself yeah. was writing that stuff. Like the isn't it the magic flute was like a, a, a yeah. They they all did, had their versions of uh, and even um, um, uh, Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benjamin Benjamin Britten mm-hmm. has his you know for children and, and and Leonard Bernstein has his things but I'm just saying like it doesn't have to be deep and complex and and whatever to be enjoyable mm-hmm. but you know the reason why I think jazz music never really got as popular as it might have is bebop you mean because like big bad jazz was huge it was the pop music of true the true yeah there were there were elements of jazz that were a lot more and but but again a little bit more understandable for the for the general public sure yeah i mean i listen to i love john coltrane as you as sure. i've said to you many times we're like gonna argue about this for the rest of our lives well but anyways john uh, coltrane there is stuff that he did like he did um my favorite things, right? Which yeah. was their their aim was to make it more sort of commercial, yeah, without selling out his soul or anything. I, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just yeah. saying it was something that was easier to understand yeah. than some of the stuff that he put out that was just like so out there that even though I'm a lover of culture and I have to listen to it a couple times, for me, it's like. Um, a scavenger hunt. I'm finding the notes that he put together, the rhythms and stuff. Whereas for some people, it's like hitting them with bricks. Yeah. You know, it's just so hard to understand. It's how how could you want to listen? It's c- cacophony, right? You know, right? Um, so, okay. So I do think there's more to be said about whether or not this is evolution or devolution. There's more to be said about um, whether this is sellouts versus... But I think those guys, I think those guys that do stuff like experimental, like what you were saying, and even Frank Zappa, and, and you can l- go on and on, the list is extensive, and even Glenn Gould, when he was trying to sort of push the boundaries. Yeah. They have to do that. You have to have people that do that. And even Mozart and Beethoven, right? Yes. Yeah. To sort of push I mean, it, yeah. push it forward. Well, it's like when you, when you write a song, right? Whether... N- I mean, some people purposely don't do this, but if you want to write a pop song, you have to have hooks. Yeah. You know? And it has to sound familiar. I mean, even though the the person may have never heard it, you know, I, you go, I like this and I don't know why. Yeah. And it, probably the reason is because it's got some familiarity John, to John it. Mayer is a great example of, of writing stuff that is really, uh, they're really good songs. Yeah. And on top of that, they're really good pop songs. Right. Because he's got hooks in there galore. Yeah. Like... When you watch um, Mary Spender talks about how she, um, John Mayer had written to her to ask her to analyze one of his songs, and so he like sent her. Bec- right, you she were had done a whole that. thing. It's really interesting. I, I won't go into the whole story, but long story short, when she listens to it, she shows her reaction as she's hearing it for the first time all the way through. There's a whole string of YouTube videos where there's people that are listening to a piece of music for the first time. You know, yes, and experiencing. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole. That's a whole uh, thing. A whole thing, right? So it's all. Yes, it, it, I mean, we want to have something that's just new enough, so it's not boring. Yeah, it's very much like when my choir is singing ah for the third time. I'm like, we have one more in us, and then we have to do something else. Yeah. Do 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 do. You yeah, know, we, we have, have to do, do something. something. Yeah, because it becomes monotonous. Yeah, right. So I I think. Um, yeah, I, th- I really like the idea of this question. For people out there, we're really not answering the question. We're hopefully giving some information for you to consider. Yeah. And hopefully to feedback on. What do you think? 
Yeah, what do you think? Feedback. Give us some ideas. Oh, bring it in. What do you think? What do you think? Mm-hmm. I think you ought to think about it. I think you ought to think. Put a little thought into it. Think about how you thought about it, too. A little you know, and by the way, when you're thinking about it, don't forget to have the third person think about what you're thinking about. <laughs> I'm so confused right now. I'm What's it called? The theory of knowledge? That's a mind blower. Back away. <laughs> T-O-K. T-O-K, theory of knowledge. Talk. Where's the tick? Uh, it's on the internet. Which is all remix. Every the whole concept of TikTok is w- was called musically, and this TikTok is a remix of that. Which here in China is Douyin, yeah. Which is a remix of TikTok, which is a remix of mi- musically. Uh, I don't know that. <laughs> What's our next uh, episode? I think. Well, we've been talking about a few things. One is the uh, is the monk Coltrane Davis. We could do that. I think that's deep dive, but okay. Uh, the other one is. Um, we could continue the um, the exploration of well, what if we had what if we had a build your build your fantasy band episode? You know what we should do for an episode? I know lots of things we should do. Chinese music. Oh, actually, that's that's interesting. I I was going to say that um, Terry Riley wrote the song in C. He's a min- minimalist composer. And he wrote this song, which is a series of random sequences. I think it's 28 little one or two bar sequences, right? And then the idea is that each musician will pick one of those sequences and play it from that number. So that you could start at 28, play that, and then go to 1. And, and it'll still work. It just works. It's okay. all it's all in the key of C, which made it nice and easy in a way, right? Yeah. Rhythmically, it's quite complex. Yeah. And it was like groundbreaking stuff for Western music. Yeah. When we were living in Sumatra a couple of years ago, Ellie and I had the opportunity to go to Jog Jakarta, which is on Java, on the island of Java, right? Mm-hmm. Close to Jakarta, to study gamelan music. Really? So we went and we studied, we did like a one week trip to Jog Jakarta and we studied gamelan music. So when beautiful I heard. Th- beautiful stuff. Yeah. And yeah, then I'll, I'll play a little sample because I have a, a thing that we, we st- studied based on that. But I'll play a little video of these guys playing gamelan music. that and I heard in C I was like uh, it's really not like he, Terry Riley I think it's great that he did that um, Steve Reich was one of the one of the percussionists one of the people who played in the first ever performance of in C Steve Reich is the guy who came up with clapping music which is the app that I'm addicted right, to on my okay. phone right now um, so uh, Terry Riley was using the idea of gamelan music of those players playing their different instruments are playing um, little fragments of music. So again, if you start at number one and play to 28, fine. If you start at number 27, play to 28, and then start again at one, fine. You decide. Start in the middle. 
and it all fits, right? So it's basically little samples of music that you're just putting on top of each other. So I had my students do this last year in the choir and in my music mix band. Yeah. I just said, pick five of the of the patterns, not even in order. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It works better if you go in, in sequence, actually. But yeah. So he was doing, whether he realized it or not, whether it was conscious or not, I'm not sure. But he was doing a remix of gamelan music into Western music styles. Ah, okay. He wasn't using gamelan instruments, but he was using the, the songwriting concept of it. That concept. It's almost a math puzzle. Basically, yeah. yeah. You, you can do that. I've done that with when I used to teach way back in the day mm-hmm. with uh, the pentatonic scale, where you just give them you know, pieces of the scale. Yeah. That's and, I, a- and I play my thing, and I, I go, you play whatever you want. But you you've have got to use this one. Notes. You've got this one. You've got this one, and I would do it in chunks, chunks of three. So they would, if it was in, uh, if it was the C minor pentatonic, it would mm-hmm. be you know C E flat and F would be the first three, and then G B flat and C would be the second three. And okay. then say so do whatever you want there, do whatever you want there, and then I'll pl- I'll play the the, the oh, basic blues okay. thing. That's nice. I, I didn't I didn't chunk it like you just said, but I was going to say that I used that as well when I used to try and teach improvising. Yeah. Because teaching improvising, which sounds like an oxymoron, you actually do need to have. You've reminded me to to get back on this with Lincoln because when I teach him, when I taught him piano a few months back, at the end of each lesson we would have a, just kind of a thing like play whatever you want, jam, and um, and he loved that. Should we wrap this thing up? Yeah. So next episode. Um, you said Chinese music. One of the things that I want to talk about was um, a, another sort of verses thing, the Fanny versus Felix oh, Mendelssohn. I've been listening to Fanny Mendelssohn, Fanny Mendelssohn like all week, and it's so good. Yeah. I had no idea. Um, w- there was another Let's one. Let's do that. You know, we just keep the theme. It is nice to think maybe keep the theme and then move to, to the, the jazz players afterwards. Yeah. So, our next episode, you think we should do Fanny Mendelssohn and Felix Men- Mendelssohn. I believe that's a good one. I'm not sure if we have to do it as a versus thing, honestly. It's just no. exploring this brother and sister. Well, and we can, it also ties, the, ties it, you know, connects the dot of them with the Schumanns, the Schumanns. and Brahms. Right, who were all friends. And even Beethoven, for that matter. Um, there was something about Schumann. Um, Mendelssohn and Schumann had a falling out over... Uh, Mendelssohn was also conducting something that Robert Schumann had written and they had a falling oh, out okay. and they never reconciled up to the day that uh, Mendelssohn died or, or Schumann died. Yeah. Let's find out. Okay, so Fanny Mendelssohn and Felix Mendelssohn. Next episode. Next episode, we'll take a look at their music and just basically take the... For me, I'll be thinking of it like we thought of Clara Schumann. Like, why isn't this person, why isn't this composer more famous is it simply because she's female and then Mm -hmm. it took all this time for us to say okay we accept it you know like is it that i don't know i think we probably will find that it is but let's find out yeah but yeah let's find out so thank you very much mr leon thank you mr jeremy thank you no you and you over there thanks our minds on music our minds on our mind our mind on music our mind on music Thanks for putting Lincoln in last time. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Good night. Does anybody know why why we do that? No.